0: Good morning. Good morning. Let's do that again. Good morning. Good morning. I am so honored to be able to be up here and to bring the word this morning. Um, and if you have a Bible, a physical Bible, Bible app, um, or if you've got the Bible memorized, go ahead and turn it to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be digging into these verses this morning. Um, and on your way there, I got to, first of all, I got to tell you guys a story. And this, I got to... Turn this on, I think. There's a button. Is that gonna come on for us? If not, okay. Well, we're gonna go without the TV this morning. Um, what you would what you would see here if the TV was on, and I need you to picture this. I need you to have that like hook moment where you use your imagination and this all comes together right now. Um, is you would see my, my assistant, somebody who means a lot to me, a guy named Gabe. Um, um, Gabe is uh, a joy to be around. He's an awesome dude. He's my, my partner in ministry. Um, and we get to do a lot of stuff. And I've gotten to sort of watch Gabe grow up. I've been able to watch Gabe grow up. And that's been an amazing, amazing thing. Um, I've loved every piece of that. And when I came here uh, eight years ago, he was a middle schooler. Now, when I came to this church eight years ago, the youth group had gone through a lot of transition. I think they'd gone through three youth pastors in four years, and for whatever reason, things just weren't working out. And Gabe was a middle schooler at this time, and, and he had no filter. He still doesn't really have a filter. Um, and, uh, and he came at one point to me, and he said, uh, he said, literally, once he figured out that I was going to be a new youth pastor, he goes, "How long are you going to last?" right and i go well I, and i don't know why i said this but i go hey i won't leave until you leave right and now he works for me so we're like locked in uh, <laughs> forever in this in this perpetual moment of this stuff um And, uh, but the cool thing is, I've gotten to watch him grow in his faith. I've gotten to watch him, uh, accomplish a lot. He went off to one year Bible school. And actually, next week, he was supposed to graduate from his Bible college with his, uh, with his bachelor's degree. Um, and, uh, he wants to do ministry, he wants to be a youth pastor with his life. And it's been an honor to watch this. Um, so it was, it was really hard for me on Tuesday when I got a call, um, that Gabe had been involved in a really, really severe. Bonfire accident, um, and he had gotten burned pretty bad. him and three other guys um, were at this this bonfire and explosion happened, and uh, he took took the brunt of it. him and another guy took the brunt of it um, and so there was this um, there was this really hard moment where I had to walk into the ER and I think I got there about an hour after the thing happened um, and As a pastor, and even as a youth pastor, it's not uncommon for pastors to end up in ERs praying for sick people. It's kind of part of our job. So I've I've done this a little bit. I've I've been there uh, a few times, and I've never seen that much, a person experience that much pain. I've never. Um, When I walked in there, there there's like seven or eight people that were working on Gabe, His hands were burnt, his face was burnt, his legs were burnt. Um, And there was a palpable amount of angst, of of emotion in this room. And uh, me and uh, uh, Jacob Whitesitt were there, who's another one of our our interns. And uh, I'm just, I'm there to pray, but there's just so many things going on. And then Gabe sees me, right? He sees me. And he, he starts telling everybody, this is, this is TJ. This is my pastor. I love this man. He's my mentor. I'm so happy that he's here. And he's like, why are you here, TJ? And I go, I'm here to, I'm here to pray for you, Gabe. And He's like, please pray for me. Please pray for me. And so I, I, you know, usually you take your hand and you put it on somebody, but I don't, I don't know where to put my hand. And I say, Gabe, where can I put my hand? He said, put it on my chest. Put it on my chest. And so I do. I take my hand and I put it on his chest and I can feel his heart beating. And... uh and I pray. I don't, I don't know what to pray. There's so many things going on. There's so many beeps going on. There's all this stuff. And I just pray for healing. I pray for courage. I pray for the doctors who are working on Gabe. I pray for whatever I can pray for in this moment. And, and, then, I, and then I say amen and I sort of back up. And then Gabe looks at me and he smiles. And I'm like, why are you smiling right now? This is weird. And, he, and then he, he looks around and he starts to do something that I never thought he'd do. He starts to preach the gospel. He doesn't just preach the gospel like in a muted way. Like, all of a sudden, this little kid who grew up pretty Baptist, right, becomes this Pentecostal preacher. And he starts saying, my name is Gabe Strunk, and I believe in the resurrected Jesus. He, he offered himself for me. He went through pain for me. He is in my pain now. He is with me in this pain now. He looks around at all the people working on him. and goes, does anybody here not know Jesus? Is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus? And I'm like back, I'm like, this is weird, okay? I don't, uh, what's going on? And then people start to raise their hand. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I look around like everybody for some reason who's working on Gabe knows Jesus. Why does that happen? How did that happen? And I'm looking around and they're all raising their hands. And then the guy who's working on Gabe's hands, the one who's closest to him, literally says to him, he goes, I don't know anything about that. And then all the people there who probably had worked with this guy for a while say, yeah, he doesn't know anything about that, you know? (laughs) And Gabe looks at him, and Gabe, like, he's in pain, right? I'm I'm still there, I'm watching him sort of writhe in pain. He looks at him, he goes, what's your name, sir, what's your name? And he goes, my name is Mark. And he goes, well, the good news, Mark, you're already in the Bible. Uh, (laughs) And he starts to... He starts to preach to him. He starts to tell him about Jesus, who who died for him, and that and that he'd be resurrected. And the, and everyone there who's like, "Hey, guess what? Mark's the guy in, for the ambulance. He's the one who's going to take you over to harbor. You're going to have two full hours with Mark." And <laughs> and poor Mark is like, "Oh no," you know. Uh, and the whole time, as they're wheeling him out, he's literally talking to Mark this whole time. And there it was, the moment that I I saw a boy become a man. Um, in his hardest moment, in the middle of the craziest pain that I've ever seen in my life, this man chose to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was miraculous. It was miraculous. It was amazing. Maturity is the letting go of self. That's, that's the central point. If you guys take notes, that's what we're going to be talking about this today. Is maturity is the letting go of self unto Christ. If you've got your Bible and you're opened up to Romans 12, you know that it says this. Twelve one says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. For this is True and proper worship. I want to suggest to you guys this morning when you think about that that word sacrifice, offer your bodies up as living sacrifice. When Paul would have written these words, the whole world to which he was writing these words would have been all about sacrifice. Sacrifice was the way of the world. Every religion was about sacrifice. Every government was about sacrifice. Every civilization was about sacrifice. So when Jesus dies on the cross and there's this new thing that's going on, there's this new faith that's happening. People want to know, what do I got to sacrifice? What is the sacrifice that I have to give up in order to follow this Jesus? And worship is almost always in the Bible— equated with sacrifice. So what is this sacrifice that we're giving? So if you've got a Bible, you can just circle the two words, living sacrifice, living sacrifice. God does not want a dead sacrifice. Now, some people may be called to be martyred for Christ. And we know that. There's some of the most amazing stories that we're, we get to, to talk about in, um, in Christianity. Like, like, uh, like Jim Elliott, who, who died um, on the mission field. And his wife took over his ministry and ended up saving the whole tribe there. And it was a crazy moment of, of God using one death to bring about life to all, these, uh, to all these people. But for most of us, we're not going to be called... To die, because that's not the call of Christ to everyone. But to all of us, he calls all of us to live for Jesus and to die to what? Self. To live for Jesus and to die to self. Now, this is what worship is supposed to be. Living for Jesus, dying to self. This is what the Bible calls true and proper worship. In our day, the, the time in which we live, we conflate the word worship too often with just with just music. Now, worship and, and singing can be a sacrifice. In the Bible, it says that we bring the sacrifice of praise. Um, and so, yes, it, it does take sacrifice to get here in the morning and to be to to be at church and to sing these songs. You have to sacrifice your pride to sing out, to put your hands up, to to show people that you love Jesus, to show God that you love him. It does take sacrifice. However, the true and proper worship is not done just once a week at church. It's a living sacrifice. It's that we choose to live for Christ and to die to self. True worship is a selfless life. You can write that down if you've got notes. True worship is a selfless life. When we see selflessness, it helps us to praise God. Several years ago, it was probably, I don't know, it was a long time ago. We, we used to do camp, and we used to do camp by actually tent camping next to rivers and lakes. That's, that's how we used to do it. Um, we'd set up a bunch of tents, and uh, we'd set up uh, everything. And that's, that's how summer camp went. And it was, it, was, it was awesome for the time that it was awesome. Um, and one year, we had... Uh, this kid who came onto the scene, whose brother got saved, and whose uh, mom just really needed this kid to start behaving, so she sent her to sent him to every church experience he could. So we got like the behavior kid, the problem kid. Um, it's like the fix my kid uh, kid at youth group, and his name was Cohen, and his mom made him go to summer camp. Now, parents, please don't do that. <laughs> Stop that. Um, one of the best things we got going for us at youth group is that people want to be there, right? Yeah. Teachers have to deal with behavioral issues all the time because kids don't really want to be there, right? But at youth group, everybody who's there wants to be there. But if I don't have the disciplinary thing of like, hey, I'll call your mom and she'll come get you. Like a kid who has that, he's like, please do, because I want to leave, you know? If I don't have that ability, then it's really, really, really hard. And Cohen was really, really hard. And he was not just a behavioral issue, but he wanted to declare to anybody who would listen that he was an atheist. He didn't believe any of this stuff. And he didn't, he didn't want to believe any of this stuff. And he thought it was all just a bunch of lies and for, for weak people is what he used to always say. And so he, he came to summer camp and I was rolling my eyes and I'm like, how is this going to work? And so he got there and to my surprise, he sort of liked the summer camp. Right? He liked the water skiing, he liked the tubing, he liked talking to the cute girls, Right, he didn't mind the food, uh, he liked being around. He even liked the quiet time and the small group time. But there was one thing that he would never do. He would never go to any of our chapels, any of our worship services. Whenever worship started, Cohen would beeline to his tent and he'd sit there in his tent, not do anything because we took their phone away, just sit in his tent until worship was over. I also at this time had a, had a guy on my staff whose name was Chris. And Chris was a massive Samoan dude, okay? He looked like an NFL offensive lineman. And he, and he was perfect for security because he intimidated people by his very presence. That's who he was. But he was like, like one of the softest humans ever as far as like personality goes. But you wouldn't know that by looking at him. He looked like he could just like pop you, you know? Um, that's the image I want to give you. Yeah, he could just do that, you know. And, and so whenever I had a problem, kid, I would always send Chris to go after them. And I said, Chris, can you go get Cohen out of his tent? And he'd be like, all right, bro, I'm going. He'd talk like that, right? All right, bro, I'm on it. And he'd, run, he'd go over there. And it would always work. This day it didn't work. Chris comes back and goes, he says, he says bro, he doesn't want to come out of his tent. And I'm like, well, make him. He's like, well, I can't make him. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Fix this. He goes, well, I was thinking, TJ, can I just sit by him? I'm like, what do you mean? I'll just grab my chair and I'll sit by him because I think at summer camp, it's not good for anybody to be alone. All right, Chris, you can do that. So Chris grabs his, I don't know where he got this, this camping chair. I mean, it must've been, I, it was like, it was, it was a heavy duty industrial, commercial grade camping chair. He grabs it and he takes it over there and he sits this thing right next to And it's so funny because he's such a massive human and this is a one person tent. So he's like the size of the tent, you know? It looks like two dome tents right next to each other, you know? And he sits there and, and worship is going on and I kind of glance over it once in a while and I can hear him talking. And then afterwards I go, What'd you guys talk about? Well, mostly I just asked if you wanted to come out yet. <laughs> and I said, What do you say? He said, No. <laughs> And I said, well, do you talk about anything else? So I, go, I, I told him why I'd come out. And he goes, he goes why, why is that? Well, because I didn't like church at all either until God got to my heart. And I told him about that. And I was like, well, that's good, Chris. I'm glad you're doing that. He goes, well, tomorrow, if he does it, I'll go sit by him again. And, he, and I said, all right, man, do what you got to do. And of course, he loves all camp. Worship starts. He beelines to his tent, sits in his tent. Chris goes over with his big industrial sized lawn chair, sits right next to him. Um, and, but this time, Cohen, halfway through the service, pops out of his tent and sits next to Chris. And I can see that they're talking the whole time. And afterwards I go, Chris, what did you talk about? Well, I I just kept asking him if he wanted to go over to the worship service. (laughs) And what did he say? Nope. (laughs) He told me that he was an atheist. And I said, do you say anything else? He goes, well, I told him I used to not believe in God too. And then I told him why why I believe in God. I was like, that's good, Chris. You know? The next day comes, right? And now now they're not sitting in the lawn chairs. Thank goodness, because I thought these lawn chairs were doing a lot of work at this point, you know. Um, And so they're just standing there, and they're talking right next to the tent. And then the fourth day comes, and they're like halfway between the tent and the worship service, but they can't hear anything. And it's the last day, and Chris finally gets him to stand in the back of the worship service. But the last day is the gospel message. And the way in which these camps work is the whole week the speaker is working towards this gospel message. And Cohen has missed every single one of those messages. And so he's showing up to this worship service too late in my head, too late in my head. And there he is with massive Chris, little Cohen, and they're standing in the back of the worship service. And the guy goes to give the invitation. And of course, I look around to see who's receiving it. And all these hands go up and I couldn't believe it. But there it was. Cohen's hand went straight up and he received Jesus in that day. And I was looking at that. I was scratching my head. I was like, God, how did that happen? <laughs> God, what? Like he didn't hear any of it. He, didn't, he missed worship every single day. And it was at that time that this verse, offer your bodies up as living sacrifices that Chris went and lived a life that looked like Jesus by sitting next to a kid in a tent and talking to him about Jesus, and he shared the gospel with him. And Chris sacrificed his worship time and his camp experience to sit by, by Cohen. And so therefore, Cohen heard the gospel, not through the speaker, but through a life that would have been transformed by Jesus. And so when he said yes to Jesus, it was the work of Chris through Jesus Christ, where he found Jesus. Let's say it again, guys, is that living a selfless life is what worship is. If we want to tell God you're worth it, we've got to get rid of self. We live in a world where we don't have like a bunch of golden cows that are icons everywhere, that everyone's going like, this is everything. We don't have, we don't have those, those gods of the Old Testament anymore. They're, they're gone. They never existed, and so they faded away as people moved on with their lives. But we still have idols in our culture. And the idols that we have in our culture, the biggest idol is the idol of self. And you see it everywhere. You go to Barnes and Noble or you go into the, your Kindle or your bookstore or your Audible account, you know that like every genre nowadays starts with the word self, right? Self-help, self-affirmation, self-care, do it yourself, you know? Self-acceptance, self-forgiveness. Everything is about self. Now we think about that. We 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 live in a society that has so many advancements, right? We sent someone to the moon, we have like iPhones that can beam us any information we want at any given time. We have the ability to go like two hundred miles an hour in a car if we if we we're so inclined, you know, we live in all these times. And the crazy thing about it is we get to just live off of the benefits of all this intelligence that's out there that we have no idea how it even works. But if we pay enough money, we can opt into that thing. We didn't create it, but we get to just be a part of it, right? Right? And the crazy thing about that is if we think about it for a little bit of time, we understand that us in and of ourselves are not that impressive compared to all of the vast knowledge of humankind, let alone God. We know that. But we don't read books about who invented the, 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 the rocket. We don't read books about who invented the car. We don't read books about, we read books about self. We are so... We, we look around at all the stuff and we, what we're most interested in is ourselves. Why is that? Well, because self is an idol. And self is the idol that we have to give up in, in order to pursue Jesus. The sacrifice that he asked for us, a living sacrifice, is the sacrifice of self. And when we start to live selflessly, we start to literally look like Jesus— And that's when everything starts to change around us. The next part of it here, verse 2 says this, and I'm just going to read part of verse 2. It says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus, when he's praying for his disciples in John 17, he prays a prayer that's very similar to what Paul is saying here. He prays this prayers. He says, he says to God, and this is about his disciples, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Hated them. And they are not of the world anymore. My prayer is that you do not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. What they're ultimately saying, and you can write this down is this, be in the world, but not of the world. Be in the world, but don't be of the world. Now, I'm gonna say this, right? Let's start with that first part. Be in the world. Christians, we need to be around people who don't believe in Jesus. It's actually the calling of our lives. I see this happen all the time, even in youth group, is that people come, they say yes to Jesus, and within like a couple months, they have no friends who don't know Jesus. Everything they do is about church and church life. And here's the crazy thing about it is, when that happens... When all you do is surround yourself with other Christians, I'm going to say it, it gets weird. Guys, Christians, we get weird when we just surround ourselves with other Christians. That's when like, like things like fellowshipping become words, you know? Like I'm, I was just fellowshipping the other day with someone. It's like, what does that even mean? Is that like a Lord of the Rings reference? What is that? You know, we, 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 we get strange. Why? Because we're not on the mission field. We are called on this great mission that once we receive from Jesus, we're supposed to give it to the world. So if all we do is just sit here and receive, what we do is we become spiritually fat and ineffective. We're not not able to go give what we've been given to the world. So we have to exist in this world. You need to have hobbies. You need to have workspaces where you are surrounded by people who do not know Jesus. And here's the next part of this. Is it in that place it is your job to represent Jesus to those folks? And to not be influenced by the things of this world. And so there's this balance that God calls us to. I don't want them to be out of the world. I want them to be right in the middle of the world. But I want them to take the things that I'm giving them, the otherworldly things, the blessings, the knowledge, the, know, the, the, the know-how. And I want them to take all of that and give it to these lost people in hopes that, that some would also become saved. So we, we, we have to be in the world, but not of the world. I want to suggest this, guys, is that Christ's call when we get saved is not that we just simply think Christian thoughts, but we actually inherit the mind of Christ. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's, that, that sounds kind of abstract, but let me just break it down. C.S. Lewis said it like this I believe, I believe in God the way that I believe that the sun is risen. Not because I can look directly at it, but by it I see everything else. Those of us who've been illuminated by the Holy Spirit, we know that this is the lens by which we see everything. That every situation that we experience in life has a through line to Jesus Christ. And what we have to do is not just think more Christian thoughts or sing more Christian songs or wear more Christian t-shirts or go to more Christian events. What we need to do is actually inherit the mind of Christ. And how do we do that? There's only one way to do that. Be with Jesus. Just be with him. So many people struggle in their relationship with God and they have very little relationship with God. Let me suggest that if you're struggling with your relationship with God, try actually having a relationship with God. How do you do that? Is it just, is, is it humming? Is it, is, it, is it thoughtfulness? No, take out the word of God. Pray that God would reveal himself to you. Read it. When you get confused, circle that. Ask, your, ask somebody you know about that. And then just keep on reading. Hear from God. Pray that God would continue to use these words to change your life. Every relationship is built around two things, listening and talking. The relationship that we have with God is no different. We listen to God by opening his word. Let's say it again. We listen to God by opening his word. And then we talk to God by praying. And if we do those two things every single day, then what we inherit is the mind of Christ. It becomes the filter by which we see every other thing. And that in our darkest moment, we can praise God. Why? Not because it just showed up magically, but because we disciplined ourselves to it. And that means the word discipleship, it's got the word discipline built right into it. So we read our Bibles and we pray, and then we inherit the mind of Christ. I want everything that I do I want to be able to see it the way Jesus sees it. I keep praying that for myself. I want less of the world in me. I don't, I don't want to just see it the way that I see it, you know? And I can get about a lot of things. You know, I can get really way down the road about a lot of other things. And I know that when I spend time away from Jesus, I become about those other things. And, and I lose sight of, 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 of Jesus. And I was thinking about this. I'm going, to, I'm going to throw my sister under the bus real quick here. Um, she listens online, and, and I usually don't because she's the one who brought me to Jesus, um, but I kind of have to balance the scale out here a little bit, right? I got I to tell one story of, uh, that's going to that's throw her under the bus here, right? So Thanksgiving, probably six years ago, my sister is a fitness nut, you know, um, And she's done everything. She's done every denomination of fitness. You know, she's done like the CrossFit. She's done the fasting. She's done like the uh, everything. You know, like you know, way way back in the day. You know, remember everyone was just stepping on those steps and coming off of those steps, and like everyone bought a step. It's like you know, guys, there's steps. You, you don't need to buy one, you know? Um, she, she, she's done all of the things, right? And, and she's, she's always been in good shape. And the crazy thing is, like, I have, like, hardly in my life been in, like, really good shape. And there's been a few times where I'm like, yes, I'm in good shape. But her, her whole life, the Lord just blessed her with this thing. And the crazy thing about it is she just preaches the gospel of fitness. And I'm like, you know, you kind of inherited that, right? You know, I don't know if you've ever really struggled, sis, right? But she sees everything, everything through the mind of a physical trainer because that's what she was, she was, she was you know? And it, we, were, we were on Thanksgiving and we like ran out of something and we went to Albertsons to go get it. And in Port Angeles, if you guys have been over there, the whole, the whole town's built on a hill, right? It's this massive hill and the, f- the further up you get, the where it is. And there's this one hill that's really, 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 really um, steep. And uh, as we're going down this hill, we see that there's this homeless guy who's pushing a cart up that hill. And in my head, I'm like, oh man, this poor guy. And it's raining, right? Because it's raining all the time here. That's part of, the, part of the struggle we have to deal with, right? And, uh, and it's raining. And I'm like, this poor guy, you know. And maybe on the way back, if he's still there, we need to stop. And my sister looks over at him and she goes, I am so jealous of him. Can you imagine the calf workout that he's getting right now? <laughs> joke she was just being serious right she was just being serious because at that point in her life everything was seen through the eyes of a a fitness trainer that's 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 what she was now guys if we could take all the things that we could be about and say i don't want to be about any of these things the first thing i want to be about is jesus and we say to jesus let me inherit your mind break my heart for what breaks yours You know, God, let me see the world the way you see the world. If we could inherit that as Christians, we would change everything. There wouldn't be an empty seat in this house. There would be people lining up out the doors, not because of how good it is here, but how good you are there. My prayer for you this morning is that you would discipline yourself to the word of God and to prayer so that you can inherit the mind of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the next part of this. It says it this way. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. This is is the second part of verse two. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Now guys, think about what was just said there. So much of our Christian experience, and I get this question probably more than, eh, probably one of the top questions I get is, what is God's will for me? I'm trying to figure out, it's some version of that. Like, I'm trying to figure out if this is what God wants for me. I'm trying to figure out what God would would will me to do in this situation. And here is, the Bible says, if you do all these things, you give up your bodies as as living sacrifices and you live this life and you inherit the, the mind of Christ and you transform, you're renewed to that, then you'll be able to discern and approve what the will of God is. So if you're confused about what the will of God is, then what you have to do is just seek God. And He's gonna just give it to you. He's gonna tell you in your quiet time with Him. He's gonna show you your way forward as you discipline yourself unto these things. I wish, I wish that that was a more, like even when I wrote that, I wish that was a more like profound point. I wish, it was, I wish it was like I could say something that everyone goes, oh, that's it. But we don't need that this morning. What we need to hear this morning is just read and pray and get to know God and he will show you his will for your life. And if you're confused on that, then you're not reading and praying enough. That's it. You got something going on. I don't know, should I move up? Pray and read your Bible. Really? Yep, that's it. That's it. I always say this to the kids. This is another one of the things you can write it down, but it goes like this. When we want what God wants, we get what we want. When we want what God wants, we get what we want. Now, on first glance, that feels kind of prosperity, health, wealth, right? Like you want something from God, you know, go out and get it. No, that's not what is going on. What we have to do is we have to learn to align our desires Align our desires to the heart of God. And then ask for those things. And then God's like, yep, I will give you those things. This is what it means to not use God's name in vain. A lot of people think that's about swearing. It's not. I'm going to say that again. It's not. The idea of using God's name in vain is when you use God... To get what you want, that is vanity unto self, and it's using God for your own vain conceit. So when, so when we say uh, don't use the, the, the Lord's name in vain, what we 're ultimately saying there is, is, is don't be going around taking or asking for things in the will of God, which you know, if you studied, aren't in there. There's no place uh, spoiler. There's no place in the word of God where God wants to give you a Mercedes Benz, right? And there's no place, right? That's just, it's not part of it. There's, there's no place where God wants you to live your best life now. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. He's calling us unto suffering. If Jesus came and lived a poor life and suffered, why would he want us to do anything different? Do you hear that? When we want what God wants, we get what we want. If your boss handed you his credit card with his name on it and said, hey, I want you to use this for my business. And you took that credit card and you used it for your business. It's got his name on it. That's using his name in vain. You guys getting it? So when we take all of these blessings of God and we just, we just absorb them, that's vanity unto self. That's using God's name in vain. So what do we got to do? We got to take that credit card and use it towards the purpose of what the name on it is. And yeah, if you started to pray for miraculous things, like people getting saved in your life, God wants that. I bet it would happen. If you started to pray that God would, 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 would heal up a sick person who needs to share the gospel, I bet you those things would happen. But if you keep praying selfish prayers, there's no way. Because in the same way that if you keep using that credit card, you're just committing a fraud. And so there it is. Does that mean that God, that we, that we won't suffer if we align ourselves to God? No. Because I believe that in our suffering, we will find a through way to the gospel. And in the same way that Gabe, while he was suffering, found a through way to the gospel, we will also find that through way. Today, your challenge is this. There's a through line to the gospel in the middle of your struggles, and you have to find it. And when you find it, it will change everything about your life. Because when we want what God wants, we get what we want. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus I thank you for your word, which is made whole in a life lived selflessly. God, I thank you for the people in our lives who live selfless lives as an example of Jesus. I pray that you would honor them. God, I pray that whatever mission you have Gabe and Jake on over there in Harborview, that you would keep them on mission. They would be lights in a dark place. That they would sing your songs. They would pray your prayers. And that they would preach your gospel to those who... Who need it? God I pray for this guy, Mark, who heard the gospel? God would you make it so that he would come to know you? Would, would you make his life a testimony? God, I pray that we wouldn't avoid suffering, but we'd run straight through it because we understood that you ran through it on our behalf. And God, I pray that we would be the church and the people who would suffer well unto your gospel. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and all God's people said.